He's an active duty firefighter. He was on duty working in extra detail at the Fort Lauderdale Airport when an active shooter struck. He acted. He saved lives. But it took a personal toll on him. He's here to tell his story. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Imagine if you were one of the first on social media or on social audio apps. Here's your chance to be one of the first on the free breakout app that combines the best of social audio and social media. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast. Use the profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. Joining us in the studio, very rare occasion. I'd love to have this happen more often. Dean Marino is joining us. Dean is an active duty firefighter. He's here to talk about the events of the active shooter that he was involved with at the Fort Lauderdale Airport, the impact it had on him, and what he's done with that today. By the way, a little hint. He's big in service dogs, and his nonprofit is... Go to our website, firstresponderspack.org. Dean, thanks for being guest on the show and for telling your story. Thank you. I appreciate having me here. And it's good to have you here. You're not too far from where we are in Palm Beach County, so I appreciate you making the trek up here. And I really appreciate you talking about this because I remember when this happened. I believe it was January 2017. That is correct. And what happens is the news media doesn't talk about how our first responders are impacted especially afterwards. Here's the analogy I always use. Granted, you're firefighters, and I'm not going to tease you about that, I promise you. And you promise not to tease me. No offense. We do that all the time, by the way. Is They'll say a police officer is shot. They'll say, good news, the injuries are not life-threatening. And they never talk about what happens after. That is correct. And so when no one knows, they don't know the impact it has on the individual, the first responder. They don't see the impact it has on their family, their family life. What it takes to, I hate the term, rebuild their lives, but to save their careers as well. No one knows that. That is correct. All they hear is what they see on the media. They don't know the backstory behind it. And you're going to tell the story. You were working as a firefighter, and if I understand correctly, you were like doing secondary employment. You were on scene at the Fort Lauderdale Airport. Take us back. What happened? I was doing a fire watch detail in Terminal 3. And the event happened in Terminal 2. As I was sitting in the baggage area of Terminal 3, around 11.30 or so in the morning, I start to hear people yelling and screaming. And I look and I see people running in all different directions. So naturally, I stand up to look and see what is going on. I walk outside and I grab someone and I ask them what is happening. And they're saying there's an active shooter. Someone is shooting in Terminal 2. My first instinct is, come on, how, how can that be? Right, I'm this thinking, is a major United States airport. How can that be? Right, how can that happen? There's people everywhere. There's police everywhere. 
But it was happening. When I turned and glanced at Terminal 2's entryway, I saw the first victim walk out, and I could see the blood splurting from his brachial artery on his left arm. So then I knew something was going on. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew something was going on at the time. My instinct is I ran towards the terminal. Right. All of our training teaches us not to put ourselves in danger. We are to wait for the police technically to clear the scene before we are to go in. Instinct. Here's why. If you are not safe, if you are attacked, you can't help save lives of anybody else. Absolutely. That's we, the reason why. It's not It's not a matter of cowardice. People love to go, well, I, I would have done this if I was there. And I always say, you weren't there. You're 100% correct. We're, we're not to put our spouse in danger, so we are at risk and then have to be saved as well. So normally we're standing to wait for the scene to be cleared, but instinct took over. And, and I ran over there with nothing other than a radio. And I, and I called it in as I was running over that there's an active shooter and to notify everybody. I didn't know the police were on scene. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know if the shooter was stopped, caught. I didn't even know the situation was over. I ran to the individual first. He was with his wife. She uh, had her jacket. I took her jacket from her and I wrapped it around his arm and I told him to hold it. His this was the guy that was shot through and the arm. Break your artery right. was spurting blood, and you can tell the difference. Seen, and I'm not a firefighter. Right. I'm not an EMT, but you can tell the difference. Seen arterial bleeds and regular bleeds, absolutely, very quickly. The blood was coming out; it had to be stopped. Yeah, because he won't live long. He won't live long. That is correct. And as I was applying the pressure and tying it into a knot, and I was telling his wife to hold it, he was looking at me and asking if he was going to die. And I told him, we're going to do everything we can to help you. Just just hang on. And that's when trucks started to arrive. Instinct, I go inside afterwards. And all I could see and remember is smoke from the gun being right, shot. Right. I see casings on the floor. It's like an eerie silence in the room because everybody that could get out got out. Those that could not, that were shot, I could see those that were passed away. I could see those that were injured. And there's two images that that really stick with me. One was a couple that was married for 50 years. They were there to celebrate their anniversary. She was on her knees. And her husband was, was deceased. The next image was an individual laying face down, pool of blood. He had two young boys by him. So I ran over to him. I realized he was shot in the arm. I did what I could to stop the bleeding. But what really got me was the two young boys asking if their father was going to die. At the time, it didn't affect me. It didn't hit me because the adrenaline was going. Yeah, the adrenaline's going and you're doing what you got. You're relying on your training. You're just reacting. Right. And at that point, Everybody started coming in. The, one of our battalion chiefs was, came in, took control of the scene inside, the police arriving. Everyone had their guns, machine guns. So I stayed at that event until almost 9 p.m. It happened at around noon, helping hundreds and hundreds of different people that were injured, scared. We weren't able to leave. The entire airport was on lockdown. It's the next day when I got home and I woke up is when it hit me, is when I is when I let it out, the emotions. Right. 
is, is just like the emotion dump. The adrenaline was gone. The excitement was gone. Then your mind starts to play. What if? I can tell by the tone of your voice, Dean, it still has a physical impact on you just talking about it. It does. It brings the emotion. And that's the one thing I, I try to get people to understand. In my case, in my story, I don't talk about much. When I get, and I hate this term, triggered, when I talk about it with anybody, I start to get a physical reaction. Uh, and it's not voluntary. And people say, well, you know, just relax, just calm down. Dude, tell me how. Because I've been, I've had people tell me that for thirty years. Just chill out, okay? You want to tell me how, what to do, and they have nothing for you. That's the problem. Everybody can tell you how to do it, or tell you to relax, but they don't tell you how to do it. They don't tell yeah. you how to relax. The other thing is, and I'm going to ask you this when we return. There's a big difference between being on scene when a horrific event has occurred and doing what you got to do without a whole lot of thought. And talking about it afterwards, uh, where there's a lot more thought. And quite often when people would ask, for example, investigators, what'd you do? What happened? I wouldn't have the answers. I wouldn't know. They'd look at video cameras. They'd look at other things. They'd go, oh, you did this. So, especially in the police, they think that you're hiding something. Right. Well, the truth is, you're not. And the next day, or as I always say, I cried in patrol cars a lot very very rarely ever on scene this is law enforcement today show return a conversation with dean marino about his actions during an active shooter at fort lauderdale airport don't go anywhere we'll be right back are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts head to letradioshow.com click be heard and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Imagine if you were one of the first on social media or on social audio apps. Here's your chance to be one of the first on the free breakout app that combines the best of social audio and social media. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast. Use a profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Return our conversation with Dean Marino, special in-studio guest, which I really love. Dean is an active duty firefighter. He was on scene at the Fort Lauderdale Airport when an active shooter took place. Multiple people killed, multiple people injured, and he was actually first on scene. Well, before we go to the break, Dean, you made a very important point. You, you were on scene. You did everything you were supposed to do. You went home, eventually you went to sleep, you woke up in the morning, and that's when things started to like hit you. Correct. That's when the realization of the event hit me. Wow. How bad was the initial reaction the next day? I cried. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest with you. I don't like admitting to anybody I cried. Right. Uh, I had a conversation with my daughters, adult daughters, and she's going to a funeral today, and she's like, I don't want to cry. I'm like, it's okay to cry. It is okay to cry. She's a 33-year-old woman. Right. So when I cry, I'm going to tell you right now, it's ugly crying. It's not like TV. No. It is letting it out. Yeah. Man, I wish there was a simple way to just let it out and make it all better. Right. Has it been better for you? Not now, 
but immediately the next day was things, oh, life goes on, happily ever after, all that stuff, or was it tough? It, it was tough. Looking back now, after the event that had happened, first responders in general are, are egotistical. That is our downfall. And we don't want to be the ones to admit we need help. I should have admitted I needed help a long time ago. And that, you, you can repeat that again. Uh, the egotistical part I can do without. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I, and industry specific, we hear all the time, we got to smash the stigma for first responders and, and mental health. And I always say this. We need to start ourselves and have the conversation with ourselves and say, okay, this is a partner system. Your partner needs to look at you and say, hey, you're obviously not doing okay. Are things all right? I went through periods of time where I'm not okay. This is what happened. This is what I did. We need to talk. That's where you start smashing stigma. Absolutely. I would love to say that administration, whether it be fire, police, whatever needs to do something, yeah, they do, but the, the burden starts with us, I do believe. The burden starts with us, our crews, our partners, our immediate supervisors and officers that we work together, develop relationships with, know each other's families, know each other's body movements, body language. We can tell when someone thinks Yeah, wrong. you can tell. You've known that, that, that person for years and years under high stress, under relaxed situations, which we will talk about right. going from high to low to high to low to high to low. Th- that has a, an impact on you as well. But people could see this. What was your response? Were you just like, I'm okay, or did no one ask you? I got the couple, are you okay? You know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, My a- immediate answer was, I'm okay. At the time, I thought I was okay. It's the moments afterwards, the days, the weeks, the months, the years. Now, afterwards, looking back, that I should have said I needed help a long time ago. I should have asked for help a long time ago. I realize it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say something's bothering you. It's okay to sit down with someone and say, that call bothered me, or my family situation bothered me. And and as first responders, who's looking out for us? Nobody but us. Right. And, and we have to be advocates for each other. And I'm there to help other people. I'm not there to be the one that needs to be helped. Correct. We are trained and bred to help others. Yeah, that's, that's an issue. And I, I can see how that can become a problem. Were you a married guy at this time? I was divorced, but I had four children. And that's what hit me, is my four children. They're older now, but not having a chance to say goodbye, not seeing you know, them live their lives. Uh-huh. Those images go through your mind. Are it's you the, referring back to the two young boys on scene? Yeah. And, and you get the, the correlation, but it's, it's difficult not to. It is not. It is very difficult not to. The other thing, Dean, and I don't want you to apply this, but there's two things you said about the incident, and this will sound strange for people who don't understand the the arterial bleed. I understand. You know what you got to do. It's like a crime scene. This is what I got to do. X Y Z A B C. Do these things. Make the notifications. Do what I got to do. Save lives. All that. When you said the woman was there kneeling over her husband, and then the two boys. That's one there's no preparation for. Uh, at least, I don't, I don't know about you cats. They didn't teach us about that. Right. How do you deal with that? Takes years of hard work, years of, of running those calls, and you still, to this day, can't deal with it. They train you how to stop the bleed. They train you right. how to apply the tourniquet, but they don't train you for the thoughts that you go through, the emotions that you go through, the, the people that are around, 
You can train for active shooter all you want, but you can't control the crowd. You can't control the noise, the environment, the smell, the sights. That's what affects you. How are you with crowds now? I'm fine out in crowds now. What bothers me is when I see the active shooter scene still on TV. Yeah. I flashback. It's funny. I don't, I, not funny than ha-ha funny. I don't watch body cam videos. I don't watch surveillance videos. People send me, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't watch it. Right. Because it's. A, I get almost like a physical response like I was there. And I, I wasn't there. Right. And I, secondly, I'm not one to judge people that were there. Even, even in cases where they seem to be acting inappropriately. When I see a guy, I say guy, that means men and women, where we come from. When I see a, a cop or a firefighter or whatever on scene of a really hectic call and they flat out lose it and they start yelling and cursing at people, I think that's someone that needs help. That's a brother or sister that needs our intervention and someone needs to step up the plate and say, hey, let's get you away from scene. We're going to talk. We're going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I think it's a normal response. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And when it doesn't happen, I get angry. I also agree 100%. Now, you're better than me. I'm not good with crowds. I'm okay with crowds. Uh, good for you because I, I'm not there yet. I'm a lot better than I used to be, uh, but I'm, I'm not there yet. The, the, the smoke you talked about, uh, quite often that's, people call it cordite, gunpowder. Uh, there's a smoky discharge when firearms are, are fired, for lack of better words. If my memory is correct, this guy flew into airport. He had a checked gun in his luggage. Correct. And for whatever reason, and I really don't care what the reasons are. And as a matter of fact, I think we spend way too much time talking about the people who do these horrendous acts and their motivation. He took, loaded the gun, and started opening fire on people. That is correct. And I don't know why. I'm a gun owner. I don't know why people do that. I still can't figure it out. I gave up trying. Trying. It's very hard to tell why people do what they do. Question before we get a break. You said your children were younger. You're a divorced guy at the time. One of the things I found is people say, we should talk to your spouse. You should talk to people who are important. Let them know what's going on. Let them know what you've been through. My response was, I don't want them to worry anymore. I want them to think it's okay. And really, I don't want people to be fearful of what could really happen to them. Did you find you you were becoming short-tempered and your your whole attitude with your children was changing? Yes. It became harder, short-tempered, hard time sleeping, hard time staying asleep, and just hard time being closed up. We're going to talk about those hard times in just a moment. Dean Marino is joining us in the studio. He is an active duty firefighter. He was on scene at the active shooter in Fort Lauderdale Airport. He's here talking about that day, what occurred, and what occurred to him afterwards. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there.
Welcome to the Harmony with Food radio show. I am your host, Meg Marie O'Rourke. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I am a nutritionist for longer than I'd like to admit on the radio. Join my guests and I as we discuss how to live in harmony with food from gut health issues, food sensitivities, food intolerances, and the comorbidities of obesity. Being your own healthcare advocate is achievable, and so is living in harmony with food. For the latest nutrition information blogs, check out my website, harmonywithfood.com. Joining us in the studio with Dean Marino. Dean is an active duty firefighter. He was at the Fort Lauderdale Airport working when an active shooter took place. Multiple people were shot and killed, multiple people injured, and he was on scene doing the best he could. And by the way, thanks for that. I didn't get to say that before. But what a lot of people don't talk about is the, the impact on the first responder. And by the way, speaking of that, check out his website, his nonprofit, firstresponderspack.org. That's firstresponderspack.org. We will talk about that in a bit. Before we end the break, we're talking about you and your relationship with your kids. How important is that to you as a, as a person? Kids are my world. I have, I have four wonderful children. I have three wonderful grandchildren. I'm blessed beyond that I could ever imagine. So I want to go back. You said you were becoming short-tempered with your children. It was impacting your relationship with your children. Were there red flags or they say something to you about it? I believe they thought things were wrong. I think they could tell that things were bothering me, but they didn't want to ask or approach it because at the time we didn't realize that it's better to talk about it than try to keep it in. I learned that looking back, I should have said something a long time ago. I should have sat him down. I should have told him how I feel. Should have, could have, would have, by the way. Should have, could have, would have. Yeah. Right. two things I had to learn to get rid of, shame and guilt, and should have. That's the word I got to get rid of. I still find it difficult to talk about certain things. Right. So you talking about this, I think, is admirable. One of my biggest regrets is the, the effects of the trauma on my life had a tremendous impact on my daughter's lives and the quality of my first marriage. As a matter of fact, it it was a big part of why the first marriage didn't survive. And and that's solely, I'm I'm not saying she doesn't have her part. I'm just saying that's the part I can do something about. What happened to me, Dean, and I'm going to ask you this point blank, is I wound up becoming, first of all, I got very quiet. I didn't talk to people. I would sit in what I called the lazy boy chair. My wife would call them mini vacations. I would drink until I passed out. And if you talk to me too much, I'd get really angry. Right. And when I say really angry, it, that term doesn't really ex- explain it. How angry were you? I was angry in- internally with myself for not realizing that things were bothering me and not asking for help when I should have. And lashing out on, on my kids and other people. And, and like you mentioned, being quiet, being recluse everything's okay everything's okay when it's not okay it's looking back i should have said something a long time ago people would say to me i'm going to ask you this they'd say hey you just relax breathe in breathe out quiet down a little bit and you won't be so angry or don't be so angry all the time and what it was for me i guess it's a question for you is i just could not relax right. I couldn't take off the armor and just relax and be a dad, be a husband, be a father, whatever it might be, and just relax. I couldn't do it. You're right, and it's hard to turn that off. We're 
I'm going on 24 years now as a first responder and you can't turn it off. It's there every day. When you go to the restaurants, I sit looking at the entrance. Dude, you're right there with me. When I go to the movie theaters, I got to sit on the end. I got to know where the entrances, exits are. It's just bred in you, becomes our way of life. And it's hard to turn it on and it's hard to turn it off. How are you on an airplane? Because <laughs> I know how I am. I'm good now. I can good go to the airport now. I still do the details. I still, but I'm aware. I'm more aware. When I fly in an airplane, I am the guy who, I will visually frisk everybody. Right. And I think, okay, if that guy breaks bad, I got to do this. Right. If that one breaks bad, what if this happens? What if that happens? And uh, my wife would like, give me the elbow no, you're and say, just relax. It's not happening today. You needed all that back then. You don't need it now. Right. You're right, though. You size up every situation, every individual. You do the what ifs in your mind, and, and you try to mentally prepare yourself because you were in that situation, and you just want to be aware of your surroundings. And unfortunately, or, or fortunately, it's put in your mind. And to this day, I still cannot turn that off. Was there a, a bottom for you? that let you know i gotta do something i i need help honestly i'll be 100 honest uncontrollable crying i'd watch tv i'd see things on the news and i would just cry and i would realize something's not right something keeps triggering my emotions i never formally had them dealt with never handled them thought i could do it myself but i couldn't so this had nothing to do with on the job, performance, you weren't in trouble, none of that stuff happened. None of you that You didn't stuff. have the red flags of, well, maybe you had a relationship going on that didn't involve your children that was troubled. Was that the case for you? I was in a relationship at the time that did not end well. So there was another red flag. Correct. The red flags for me, anger, not being able to sleep, losing my appetite, and not getting along with other people, right. especially my wife. Uh, when I find myself getting angriest at the people closest to me that's the 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 number one sign that i'm not doing well there's things i need to do here's a a perfect example i tell people it's like a fire drill when something happens you're taught to do this correct when these things start showing themselves in my life i got certain things i gotta do right Uh, there's no magic pill to take there was no magic phrase where people sit in a certain position, hold their fingers right, go home, Correct. and everything's magically better. There's none of that for me. Right. It's like, okay, this is what you got to deal with. You got to learn to practice some acceptance. This is what you went through. What your reaction is is normal. You have an injury. I've had shoulder surgery from line of duty injuries. I don't expect my shoulder to be like it was when I was 18. Correct. But somehow, I think my mind should be like it was when I was 20. Right. Like, I should be able to fix this using this. I should be able to fix the problem using the problem. Right. And that doesn't work. It does not. I can attest to it. It does not work. So you went through a failed relationship. You were crying all the time. Is that when you said, I got to do something? That is when I said, something has to be done. I have to make a change, make a difference, find a way to cope with it and deal with it. And what did you do? What was your first step? Trying to find a way to internally deal with it, and I started doing the research, and that's what led me into pet therapy. Uh-huh. Therapy dogs, the benefits that they have, scientifically, medically proven to make a difference. So it caught my attention. I did not have a dog at the time. 
I went and, and followed some other people that did have a dog. I was watching them, watching what they do, participating in their training exercises and realizing the benefits that dogs make. And that's what led me to get my own personal yellow lab name oscar and by the way i'm wearing a shirt from uh, i've rottweilers and we'll, we'll talk about dogs in a moment and what they do for you i also have cats too uh, and they they really do help me a lot but not the same way and my dog is not trained unlike your dog it took a lot of work i had to do on me before i found those other tools did you do that or it just say i need some something else like a dog to help i needed something i didn't know what it was because I didn't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do those. I knew I didn't things. like you for a reason. <laughs> Everything I did, I, I'm allergic to alcohol. So yeah, well, that same here. So I got sober thirty some odd years ago. I quit right. smoking twenty years ago. I, I don't do drugs. Right. The only vice I had left in my life is I eat the wrong foods too often. You and me both. Uh, and I tell people I try my best not to even curse. I am like the squarest guy you'll meet, and I'm totally okay with that. But the real reason why I am that way, Dean, is because for me to be happy and have a full, fulfilling life, I have to do certain things. And those are some of the things I have to do. Uh, we're talking with Dean Marino. Dean is an active duty firefighter. He was on scene at an active shooter situation at the Fort Lauderdale Airport in January 2017. Multiple people killed, multiple injuries, and it had a profound effect on him. When we return, we're going to talk more about what he did, what he learned, and what he's doing about it today. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore, because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're turning our conversation in the studio with Dean Marino. Dean is an active duty firefighter, 24 years on the job, which is amazing. He was on scene at the Fort Lauderdale Airport in January 2017 when an active shooter situation took place. Uh, multiple people were killed, multiple injuries, and he was first on scene because he was there. And I, I hate to use the term PTSD, but that's what we're talking about. You went through the rigors of that afterwards and still do. And I appreciate your service and I appreciate you coming up here and talking about this because it's not easy. Anyway, it's not easy. So you said for in the break, Dean, you, you started researching service dogs, therapy dogs, therapy dogs. Uh, things of that nature. Right. And you began your personal journey of what can a PTSD therapy dog do for me? What can it do for other first responders? Uh, how did you get started on that quest? I just started doing research online, looked at the benefits of a therapy dog and what they can do for individuals in the communities and first responders. It's a fairly new concept, possibly within the last five years or so that first responder agencies are starting to adopt therapy dogs for their members and the communities. Almost three years ago, I was looking into getting a dog, and I didn't realize the wait list in Florida to get a Labrador. It took me six months to get Oscar. That's a relatively short period of time. I know people that waited years. Yes, and the only reason why I got him is because someone backed out, and he became available. So I said, absolutely, I will take him. 
didn't know anything about him, didn't know any traits, characteristics, just that he was a purebred yellow lab. Were you a dog person before that? I was always a dog person, but never had a dog. Right. So So you really didn't, here's what I'm getting at. It's not just a dog, it's a team. Correct. I I remember being at a, a radio event in Colonial Beach, Virginia, many, many years ago. And we had military from Walter Reed come down at this event. And there was a big, massive guy who's a Marine. Uh, and he said, he introduced me to his dog, who was a Chihuahua named Spike. And he goes, this is my PTSD service dog. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to argue with this guy. I'm not going to tell him, sure. what's a Chihuahua do for you? <laughs> I know now. Right. Actually, I knew then because I had dogs. What does your dog do for you that makes your life better? The calmness that he brings when he's around, the joy that he brings to me, to my wife, and the ability that I'm able to share him with others has become my personal therapy. It has helped me in my journey. I realize the benefits that he has and the profound impact that he has had on my life that I wanted to share him with others. He's just a joy to be around. Every time we come home, you know, the dog brings the stuffed animal to the door. He's waiting for you. It's unconditional love, non-judgmental. They listen. They love you unconditionally. And I found that that has just been my driving force. After 24 years, I found a purpose. Yes, I'm a first responder. Yes, I'm trained to save lives and go into fires and cut cars to pieces. But I found a purpose now. I found my why. Mm-hmm. And my why is to help others try not to go through what I went through. Is some of this putting your pain to purpose today? Absolutely. It's given me definition. It's given me a purpose, a reason to do what I do. It's my drive. I realize that people, in order to be successful, you have to have your why. Why are you doing this? What is your reason for it? You just don't wake up one day and say, I want to have a therapy dog and give back to others. There has to be a reason. This is my reason. It's benefited me greatly. And I see the joy, the happiness, the change wherever I go with him. It's just incredible to watch. If I could bottle it up, sell it, I'd be a multi-billionaire. Yeah, I wish I had that too, to be honest with you, Dean. My my wife, Stephanie, I call her the boss. Uh, She worked for probably about two years training service dogs for an organization in Palm Beach County. And they would come out, they were golden retrievers. They were born, specifically bred, and they went through the initial stages of socialization, all those other things, then taking them out in public, and then learning the more advanced skills. And then they're teamed up with a person. Correct. And they learn the real precise skills they need. One of the things that, that we didn't talk about, that I get the most joy from my dogs, and granted mine are not trained, when I start getting upset, angry, agitated, they can tell. They know you very well. They know your body cues. They can smell things, they say. All right, the pheromones. My dog tends to sit on my foot correct as a way of saying hey i'm right here you're not you're not alone whatever it is the main thing he does is he's rock steady all the time but he doesn't ask me stupid questions especially over and over again like i say stupid things like we'll just get over it right hey don't be angry right i'm like uh tell me how right 
You're one hundred percent right. When I am angry, when I'm agitated, when I'm upset, they're like, "Okay, we'll get through. We'll, we'll get through it together." Exactly. They they come up to you. He sits on me. He puts pressure on my legs. He wants me to pet him. He looks at me with his eyes, and it just kind of just changes the way you feel. It's it's amazing. I've heard people who are more professional than I am when it comes to this psychological help. They'll say one of the things that we need to do, when I say we, I mean anybody that suffers from the effects of trauma, is focus on something in the now. And when the dog gets your attention, it kind of makes you focus on them and the now and not what happened back then. Correct. So you get some result and some positive effect from that. You take Oscar and I'm going to speed up because we're running out of time. This has become a passion for you, a mission, a, a, a nonprofit, for lack of better words. Correct. I believe in it so much that I formed a nonprofit in order to provide first responder agencies with an opportunity to acquire and or to help them train therapy dogs for their members and the community because I know it works. I've seen it work. I know it works. I believe in it with all my heart. And the name of your organization is what? Firstresponderspack.org. You can go on the website and you can see what we're about there. Now, I'm not an idiot when it comes to terminology. And I'm, I'm familiar with dog packs. But when I first saw First Responders Pack, I was thinking of like a backpack. Right. Something you put on your back, a toolkit, you know, fanny pack, whatever it is that have all these doodads in there. I'm like, man, what's in there? But it's you're talking about your, your pack of dogs. Pack of dogs, correct. And we're... I think here's what's really important. You got to fit into that pack of dogs. We have an old saying, my wife and I, if you treat your dog like a human, they'll treat you like a dog. So you've got to find your position. And I can see why that benefits you. I can see why it benefits so many other people. But I know right now someone's listening going, yeah, it's great for Dean. That's great for Jay. But uh, that ain't going to help me. That's not true. Why not? I've seen it with my own eyes. I go to a rehab facility. First responders are there for 30-day treatment for various reasons. I bring Oscar peer-to-peer. We talk. We cry together. The emotions come out. I see it. Mm -hmm. It helps. It works. Bar none, it works. We were down at Surfside. Therapists, psychologists, That was, by the way, the condo collapse where a lot of people were killed. We were down there. They had therapists psychiatrists, psychologists, rabbis, pastors. Who do you think the first responders wanted to I'm see? I'm going to talk to the dog first. Absolutely. The dogs. Yeah. This goes back to, uh, very quickly, I don't want to talk to people. When I'm really upset, what I do is I isolate. I withdraw. And I know that clinicians don't like that terminology, but I have to give back to my center. Right. My dog's helping with that. So I can understand that they do this for you. I want people to, to get information from you about where they can find out more details, how they can contact you. You've got a website, correct? I do. I have a website. Our contact information is on the website. My phone number's there. My email's there. Please, you can reach out with any questions you may have. I will go out of my way to get you the answers that you ask. And the website address is? Firstrespondersspack.org, O-R-G. And are you on social media as well? I am social media. We have a Facebook page, First Responders Pack. I have an Instagram, Oscar on Call, and same with his Twitter. Wait a second. Oscar on Call. Oscar's your dog's name. Oscar's your my name's dog's Dean. Name. My name is Dean. Yeah. So the dog's on call. The dog's on You're call. not so much. We got called this morning, but yes, <laughs> that is right. <laughs> 
Dean, I really want to thank you for your service. I appreciate what you've been through, and I'm really appreciative that you came in here and told your story on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.